And in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, if you're there, shout, uh-huh. uh-huh. We're going to read it this morning. Oh, come on, champions, would you read that with me like you know it is the word of his power? Now, then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky but you cannot discern the signs of the times. When you look throughout the Bible, one of the things that we find here is that we find out that God is a God of times and he is a God of seasons. The Bible teaches us that there is a time for everything. It also tells us that there is a season for everything. And we also see in the word of God that there were sons of Issachar, and the Bible says that they understood the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. And so there is a correlation between understanding or discerning the signs and knowing exactly what needs to be done. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees as they tried to test him, And they say, show us a sign from heaven. And he said that if I show you a sign, you could not even recognize it. And so he began to tell them naturally they can recognize signs, but spiritually they could not. And so as we look at this, then we recognize that throughout the word of God, that we understand the significance of time, the significance of seasons. You remember uh, when uh, Mary asked Jesus to turn water into wine, Jesus says, my time has not come. We also recognize that Jesus, the Bible says, was born in the fullness of time. And then Matthew chapter 8, it tells us that Jesus and his disciples had gotten to the other side and they had come to a country, the country of uh, uh, Gadarenes. And the demon said to him, have you come? to torment us before our time. So even the demons know that they have a time limit. How many of you know and believe that that now is the time to torment the enemy? And and so they know and they ask Jesus because they understood times and they understood seasons. And so time and seasons in spiritual things aren't always in agreement with the time and the seasons here in the earth. Times and seasons in heaven are not always in agreement with the times and the seasons on the earth. And so uh, one reason that we understand then that Jesus uh, said to them that you can discern and understand the weather, but you cannot discern and understand the time of spiritual things. And one of the reasons we don't understand the times is The Bible tells us when Satan was cast from heaven to the earth, he found out that there was no distance between heaven and earth. Now, I'm not talking about miles. I'm not talking about distance in terms of feet. But uh, he was talking about that there is no difference between heaven and earth. Mm. 
So that because there was no distance, there was no difference. And uh, the Bible tells us that uh, God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, one of the things I want you to really understand is that when we kind of talk about distance, what we're really talking about is difference. Because how many of you know that you can live, and it's not how far away, but it's really how, how in agreement we are how connected we are as it relates to relationships. How many of you know that you can live next to your neighbor, but then there is a distance? Yeah. There's a distance in your relationship, but you can live from a, a thousand miles from someone else, but there is no distance in your relationship. So distance is not based on space, or it's not based on miles, it's not based on feet, but it's based on difference. And so heaven and earth had no distance between it because it had no difference. Jesus, God rather, walked on the earth and he walked on the earth, the Bible tells us, in the cool of the day. And, and so it was what it was in heaven, it was also on the earth. Why? It's because there was no difference. And because there was no difference, there was no distance. Now, if heaven and earth stayed in agreement with one another, then whatever is in heaven would be on earth. And so when, 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 when Satan was cast out of heaven into, into the earth, Lucifer figured out that if he could get between heaven and earth, he could cause there to be a distance. So he became the prince of the air. And it's important to notice that God did not cast him down into the air. He cast him down into the earth. And God's objective was for him to be under our feet. Why does he have to be under our feet? Why is that important? So that he does not get into the air. So, so, so we look at this and we begin to recognize here that um, he's become the prince of air. And so when man disobeyed God, Lucifer no longer needed to be under our feet. So he set up his residence in the air between heaven and earth. And so anything that needs to come to earth from heaven, Satan could try and disrupt it. And so when he was in heaven, the Bible tells us that he was the uh, worship guy. He was a, God had put him in charge of worship in heaven and and the Bible gives us a description of how he was made. And it tells us that um, he had pipes and timbrels. Whenever he spoke, he made music. Whenever he uh, uh, worshipped, whenever he breathed, he worshipped. Whenever he moved, he worshipped. Everything that he did, he did it. And it was a worship and it was praise. And what's interesting is that the enemy, the devil, your enemy, the devil, is an expert on creating atmospheres. Let me say that again. Your enemy, the devil, is an expert at creating atmospheres. Well, let me give you a couple of examples because I'm not sure you're convinced of that. He can sing music. It's the right music to the wrong people and get the wrong people in bed with one another. He can play certain music and have you crying that you weren't invited to the prom. You know what he can do? He can, 
play certain types of music and get you depressed when before you ever heard the music, you were happy. And so Satan has a way, he's an expert at creating atmospheres. And atmospheres are significant because sometimes, or let's say it like this, some things are more likely to happen in certain atmospheres than others. How many of you know that you are more likely to get into a fight at a bar than you are in church? Let's hope so. Why? It's because there are certain atmospheres that things happen in that they do not happen in other atmospheres. And so what happened is that Satan can set up his residence between the will of God and the earth based on a difference. That's why the Bible talks about that when two are in agreement, that God will move all heaven, and, all, all heaven to get to earth simply because there is an agreement rather than a difference. One of the reasons why God talks about the body, and he talks about it in Psalm 133, he says how good it is when we dwell together in unity that God commands blessings. See, Satan knows that God commands blessings. And so what happens, he causes differences, and that differences causes distance. And so it seems like God is far from you, but God is not far from you. And I'll give you a perfect example. As he set his uh, residence up, he set it up to control atmospheres. And I'll give you a perfect example. At Daniel, you know the story that uh, we find that there was not just a passive conflict, but it was an ongoing conflict that took place. The Bible says Daniel began to pray, and Daniel was praying, and he had not... Uh, seen uh, the answer and uh, Daniel just continued to pray and he continued to pray and it was 21 days that Daniel uh, was praying and uh, the Bible says that when, when God said to Daniel sent the angel and said to Daniel that the same day you prayed I sent you the answer but there were principalities and powers that wanted to intercept the answer so God could appear that he was distant from people that were obedient or that he did not care about his own people. And so the, the enemy's desire is to create a difference so that it can seem like that there is a distance between you and God. But you know what Daniel did? Daniel just kept praying. And on the 21st day, he saw the answer to what he had prayed for. And so uh, it's important to recognize then that the word of God is powerful. It's quick and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's why declaring the word is so critical. That's why praying, and as we pray, we pray even what comes to our remembers according to the word of God. Now, so what we recognize then is that the, uh, the, the enemy is an expert at creating atmospheres, and the more different the earth becomes from heaven, the more distance will seem to be from God. And isn't that interesting? And so now, so it's important then now that we recognize that whatever is in a person can be released into the atmosphere and create a culture. Let me say that again. Would you read that with me together? Well, why don't we repeat that after me? Would you repeat this? Whatever, whatever. is in a person can be released into the atmosphere 
and create a culture. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of this. Um, Las Vegas, a mobster by the name of Bugsby, Bugsy Siegel, he uh, came to Las Vegas and he opened the Flamingo Hotel. And he had a vision of Las Vegas being uh, a Hollywood type with, with, with entertainers that will come and casinos. One year after the Flamingo Hotel was built, he was murdered, but his vision lived on. And what's interesting is that the vision <clears throat> began to attract more money. It began to attract organized crime. And you know what? Even the union pensions funds in the 1950s were putting money into Las Vegas. Not only that, but the Mormon church in 1950s invested in Las Vegas. Princeton University Endowment Fund invested in Las Vegas. And collectively, in 1950, they invested $8 million into a vision of a mobster. And what's interesting is that not only that, but we find here that when you, if you've ever gone to Las, Las Vegas, I went there to a, for a conference once, and when you fly to Las Vegas, what you see, it's in the middle of, des of a desert. And when you fly in, all you see is desert, 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 green. Wait a minute. There's an atmosphere that is not conducive for grass to grow. There is an atmosphere that's there. But what happened is that there was someone who had a vision that created an atmosphere that attracted money and it created a culture. It created a culture so that people are happy to go to Las Vegas, even though they know they're going to lose their money. <laughs> and, and, and you say to them like, uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to Vegas, and, and, well, and man, I'm, I'm going to win. Well, how much did you win last time? Well, I, I lost $500, but I'm going to win this time. What, what's the difference? I figured it out. So they are so happy to go, even though they know, they know they're going to lose their money. Now, how many of you, no, no, just kidding. I want to I make a point here. There was a person that released a vision into the atmosphere that created a culture. Let's do something a little bit more positive, Detroit. Henry Ford came up with the automobile. He built a automobile factory that would produce those automobiles and they call it Motown. Now, most of you thought that they called it Motown because of Diana Ross, but that was way before. That was way before that. It was the Motor City. So what he did is that he built that and um, he built Motown, and it became a place not just for a car, but notice what happened. It became a place where other automobile companies began to move to and to manufacture their place. And so what we recognize then is that whatever is in a person can be released into the atmosphere, and it can create a culture. And in the same way as an automotive industry is built, as the same way casinos are established, God is saying that he desires his people to discern the times 
because he wants a people who will agree with his spirit. And when we agree with God, the power of the Holy Spirit can come and change the atmosphere and create a culture, not only in our city, not only in our church, not only in our state, not only in our country, but he can create a culture in our world. And so the, thy kingdom come, we say, thy will be done on earth as it is, where? In heaven. And so when the atmosphere is right, what happens is that the spirit of God can be released easily. Do you know what's interesting is that the casinos do not have to work to get people to come and lose their money. People go there happily. And, it, and why is that? It's because the climate has such a draw that they are ready to participate to the will of a spirit before they ever get there. So they're so excited about it. You know what God wants to do is God wants to do something with us. And he wants to do something with the people that are on the outside that are ready to respond to his spirit before they ever get into the building. See, all God needs is to find a group of people that will agree with his spirit into a place. And then it'll create an atmosphere. It'll create a culture where that just like people are so happy to get on a plane and go, even when they know the outcome, that there will be a people that are so happy and says, oh, I can't wait until I get to that championship. Oh, I can't wait until I get to the altar. Oh, I can't wait to hear the music play and I raise my hand. Well, come on, honey. Well, I know it's Saturday evening, but I, Sunday morning will be here soon. I can't wait. Why? It's because there's an atmosphere that God wants to create that, that will draw people in. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, and I'll ask our team to come. And I want to read a couple of scriptures here. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah built the walls when there was a natural time, and this natural time did not look like it was his time. He was building it with the tool in one hand, and he was building it with the weapon in the other hand. And he was building that, and I want you to get this, he was doing that because the climate was resistant. The time was resistant. And so notice this, that they built the wall in hostile territory. See, sometimes the one thinks that what you have to do if it's of God is easy, but God desired them to build the wall, but they were in hostile territory. You know what's the amazing thing about uh, this when we look in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2? Let's begin to look in verses 2 and 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision is for what now? Come on, one more time. The vision is for a what? The vision is for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, isn't it interesting that he said that, now, you write the vision down, make it plain, then there are going to be others that will read it. But the vision is yet for an appointed time. And when that appointed time comes, it will speak for itself. But until it has a voice... You give a voice to that vision and you begin to speak that promise. 
You begin to speak what God has declared over your life. Because when it happens, then that thing is going to speak for itself. And so God began to say that uh, for the vision is yet for a point in time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it because it will, will surely come. It will not tarry. Why will it not tarry? Because of the appointed time. So if there's a vision that God has given, don't spend your life moving into atmospheres that the enemy has created. So it says that uh, it will tarry, but it will not tarry. And then in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, it talks about it. In, and it talks about something that's so powerful. Come on, champions, let's read that together, 17 through 19. Let's read it together now. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, 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 come on, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, now how many of you know that you can look at the conditions right now and the environment that you're in right now and say, wow, man, there's no fig tree. The fig tree's not blossoming. You can look at the environment that you might be in right now and say that there's no fruit on the vine. You can look right now and say that the, this season the olive has failed. You can see, say that the fields will yield no food. You can say all of those things that I'm looking in the refrigerator or the bank account and there is no herd in the stalls. But the prophet says that regardless of all of that, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. How do you know that? How does God know that you have faith? He sees it. How does he seize it? By what you do. How does the enemy get confused? He looks because he doesn't know your heart. What he does is he can tell your body language. He doesn't know your heart, but he can tell your body language. And can you imagine that if you're rejoicing in the Lord and the enemy is scratching his head and saying that, look, I know that they don't have any, 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 any herd. Uh, I know that they don't have any food. I know this, but I'm a little confused because they are still joyful. They are still worshiping. They are still praising why? It's because you're looking at, you understand the signs, you understand the times, and you're not evaluating where you are based on the weather, but you're evaluating it based on what God has said. And you have the confidence to know that what God has promised, he's able to perform. And therefore, you joy in the Lord, you rejoice in the Lord. Why? It's because although that you may not see it, there is an appointed time. And in that appointed time, that it will not tarry. And what you've been praising for, that it'll start praising for itself. But if the enemy can get you quiet, uh, he can create the atmosphere. But if you praise, if you worship God in the midst of it, what happens is that the distance closes. 
There is no distance. Why? It's because there is no difference. That's why the Bible says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And what happens? Then the, then the enemy flees. And it gives an analogy that he puts his head, I mean, puts his tail between his legs and start running. Why? It's all about distance. God always expected for what happens in heaven will happen on earth. The only reason it is not is that there was a people who were supposed to have the enemy under their feet, but then they did not follow God and he got in the air and he's able to try and interrupt or disrupt what God wants to get to heaven.